Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the Tech Leadership Decoded podcast. The podcast where through conversations we unravel the intricacies of leadership in the tech industry and provide insights on how to become a top performing leader. Today we're in conversation with Andy Skipper, founder and chief coach of CTO Craft. And we talk about what is CTO Craft and what does it take to be a great CTO. But before we start, can I just ask a quick favour? If you like this conversation and this podcast in general, please do remember to subscribe on your favourite player. And then if you have two minutes, can you just share the link of this episode to your social media sites so we can reach more amazing technical leaders like you? And that's it. Thank you. And with that, let's get into today's episode with Andy. Okay. And welcome, Andy. And thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Hope you're having a great day. Um, So yeah, we are here today to talk about you, what a CTO coach is and what CTO craft is. Um, But before we get into all of that super fun stuff, do you just want to spend five minutes just explain who you are, your experience and how you came to be part of CTO craft and a CTO coach? Yeah, of course. So I'm a I'm a technologist by background. So I was a mm-hmm. a, uh, a developer for many many years, mostly in the startup world, various digital agencies, um, and then became a a CTO kind of by accident in one of the startups I was working with. Um, in that they didn't have any kind of leadership within the the technology side of the business, and uh, so I I kind of filled a, a bit of a void there. Um, and since then, I've been CTO at, gosh, um, too many companies to, to remember. <laughs> um, um, at, at some point, I, uh, I decided to, uh, to go the fractional route. So I was a fractional CTO um, for a while and, um, and actually had a, a consultancy, a group of fractional CTOs that I was helping find work. Um, and I found that more and more of the, the fractional work that I was doing personally was actually either coming in to replace a, a CTO who had burnt out or hadn't been able to scale with the business or just hasn't worked out, or coming in alongside someone like that and kind of supporting them in growing into it and um, then finding their way a little bit. And so I, I decided that was the part of the role that I was enjoying the most. So I kind of doubled down and, um, and that was all I did for, um, for a few years. Um, and C- CTO Craft kind of came about as a platform for the people that I was coaching one-to-one. Um, and this was back in 2017. Um, and it's grown from there, basically. So it started off with, you know, 100 people or so in London. Um, and it's now just over 12,000 people all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's great fun. Oh, awesome. Cool. So I think we should start at the beginning of like what do you consider to be a cto in in your in your definition of it yeah it's it's a really interesting question because i think um if you were to ask that question of an investor Mm -hmm. they would probably have a, a pretty static answer to it there'd be one specific profile that they think of Mm-hmm. But in truth, it's very different depending on the stage of the company, the kind of industry they're in, um, the kind of person, you know, so there are some CTO archetypes, like you get CTOs who are very, very technical and they stay hands-on. Um, or there are CTOs who are more strategic, more visionary. There are CTOs who are 
more operational and you get CTOs who are more people focused. And the truth is that companies kind of need different profiles of CTO at different times okay. in, their, in their lifetime. But the, the one thing that kind of glues them all together is that they're all theoretically, they're all the apex technologists within their company. They're all top of the food chain as far as the technology is concerned. So they, that they're where the buck stops essentially mm-hmm. for technology stuff. Okay. And you mentioned there in your little introduction about being a fractional CTO. Now, mm-hmm. can you, what does that mean? In, or... So fractional CTOs or fractional see anything O's. <laughs> they basically, <laughs> um, they, they work on a portfolio of clients. Mm-hmm. And t- typically, they'll work more on an advisory and a, a guidance basis rather than operational. Mm-hmm. Um, but where um, where companies see the most benefit from having someone like a fractional CTO is where they want someone with a lot of experience, um, but don't have the budget to pay for somebody full time at that kind of mm-hmm. level, um, or they have someone slightly more junior or a first time leader within the company who needs some kind of support to avoid the pitfalls and um, and make the best choices. Um, so yeah, as a as a fractional CTO, you could be working for a company two days a month, or you can be with them four days a week. You know, it's very variable. But the mm-hmm. the point is that you're working with many at the same time. So it's having a portfolio CTO career. Okay, um, what do you think um, the biggest challenges are for uh, people? becoming a CTO, like taking their first role into that CTO suite, uh, seat, sorry, not suite, seat. (laughs) Hmm. So um, I would say typically it's because when you first hit that kind of role, especially Mm -hmm. if it's in a a smallish startup, usually come up through being a very, very good developer. Mm -hmm. You know, you might come up through being a good developer, then an engineering manager, then et cetera, et cetera, until you get to CTO. But typically, you're not too far removed from actually developing code. And mm-hmm. the problem is that the, the skill set you need to be a very good developer is very different from what you need to be a very good leader of developers. And I think most people and most companies don't recognize that when they're putting people like that into a C-level position. And so there's there's not a lot of support. You kind of have a whole new load of skills to um to build you know mm-hmm. you're you're on the critical path for the success of the company at a c level and mm-hmm. so um that that's where problems start to happen <clears throat> you see a lot of burnout in first time ctos um and yeah obviously they have reasonable budgets they have reasonable ownership of um of you know large parts of the the company's outgoings in terms of development teams that they might not have experience with etc etc but it's getting past that hurdle and recognizing that it is a new set of skills and it's not an evolution of being a very good developer Mm -hmm. and i i guess that leads us to kind of like what cto craft is and what you do as well right so like that's where a cto coach would come in to help i imagine yeah, absolutely. So um, both coaching and uh, peer validation or community mm-hmm. validation, I'd say that's that's the biggest benefit that I had when I was coming out through being a developer and a CTO. 
or rather I should say it's what I didn't have because there wasn't a community like this at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's it's being around other people who are going through the same kind of struggles, the same kind of learning journey, um, and then also having access to much more experienced CTOs um, who uh, who can kind of guide you down certain paths or help you set goals, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. So I, so for me, for example, I'm a technical lead at the moment for the company that I work for. So if we use me as an example, and I career trajectory, I want to become a CTO. Like, what what kind of things should I be focusing on? Because obviously, up until this point, the focus has been mainly, like you say, being a very good individual contributor to the code base, to, you know, designing systems and stuff. So what what's the what's the pathway now? Like, what kind of things should I be focusing on? in that in that field so the two biggest things i would say you should be focusing on to kind of get to that c-suite level executive suite level are commercial understanding mm-hmm. so getting much more involved in the strategy and the objectives of the business understanding what the different parts of the business are doing how they all feed into the success of the business um, because as a cto you kind of need to understand what shape cog you are to fit into that machine to help it keep turning and keep succeeding mm-hmm. um, and that again that's that's one of these skills or understandings that you don't get when you're taking a backlog and developing and putting putting features out essentially you don't get as much exposure to that um, and the other thing is communication skills and people skills mm-hmm. so ab- absolutely at that C level even if you are still hands-on, there's going to be quite a lot of um, people management stuff. There's going to be negotiation. There's going to be HR-related stuff. There's going to be stakeholder management. There's going to be presentation of technical stuff or communication of technical stuff into a form that non-technical people can understand. Um, but it's those two, being more commercial and being more more aware and proficient with your communication skills. Mm-hmm. So as, as a CTO coach, what kind of things uh, do you f- see in people that make them successful in a CTO role over the ones that potentially go down that route and kind of, not I don't want to say fail, but move out, move away from it because they didn't like mm-hmm. it or whatever reason? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a few things. I mean, uh, w- one of the things definitely is um, energy management. You know, one, one thing that is very prevalent in the tech industry, especially among the male side of the tech industry, which is still by far the biggest side, obviously, um, is this propensity to take on more work and um, and not pay attention enough to the resources you have on a personal basis to get all that stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, as, as I said before, there's a lot of burnout, um, not just in CTAs, but also in the levels directly underneath them where you feel that you should be capable of figuring out every problem or making every decision correctly the first time. Mm-hmm. You should be capable of being everything to everyone, essentially. Is the different level of how removed a CTO has become from mm-hmm. like the technology ecosystem. I find it, it's been so varied. So I, I think it'd be interesting to ask, like, do you think as a CTO, being really on the pulse of everything is still important or 
is it the other side that's more important? Like you said, the commercials, like where should, what do you think? Is there a balance? <laughs> yeah, there's a balance, but as I said before, it's very different depending on what kind of company or what size company or what stage company you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's fine to be very um, hands-on or at least being completely aware of all the different parts of the infrastructure or the architecture and knowing who to talk to to find out about the stuff that you don't know is, is very important in those situations. But yeah, at, at later stages or as the team grows, um, you, you just can't be on top of all the, the implementation stuff. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just impossible. Um, you know, I I don't think there's a specific kind of concrete inflection yeah. point that you hit. I think it's different for every company, um, but certainly a CTO should expect eventually to be quite abstracted away from the day to day coding stuff at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a minute ago we we're talking about what make what makes um, a CTO successful, but. What, on the flip side of that, what do you think a biggest mistake someone as their first CEO makes? <laughs> so, C- CTO, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, a big mistake that I've seen many times um, is staying too embedded within the engineering team or the people okay. underneath the CTO. You know, it's the, the whole concept of the first team that from the, uh, the Patrick Lencioni book. Um, that talks about your first level of responsibilities actually being to the leaders in different functions who are alongside you rather than to the people underneath you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if you've been promoted up from being a developer, being part of that team, that can be quite difficult. You can stay very protective of those people. You can be biased towards decisions that favor those people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that that's a mistake I see quite commonly that they don't pay enough attention to what the other parts of the business actually need from technology and focus on the needs of the technologists. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, interesting. So let's talk about CTO craft. So can you give us an overview of what that is and how it breaks down and why even just someone as me who's technical technical leadership why it's important but definitely for a cto <laughs> yeah sure well it's it's an ever-expanding suite of stuff for technology <laughs> leaders and um, so the the core of it is a slack group and mm-hmm. um, which is buzzing you know people use it for peer validation they use it for getting feedback on approaches they use it for getting recommendations for penetration testing companies you know, all sorts of stuff um, and then alongside that, we have a newsletter, Tech Manager Weekly. We have weekly events, and then we have a conference every year, or two two conferences this year, <laughs> for better <laughs> or for worse. Um, then the so the coaching we do two two types of coaching. So we've got a pool of one to one coaches who are all or have all been CTOs at some point, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of a uh, a halfway house between proper coaching and the executive coaching sense where it's non-directional and it's more about helping people define their path and then helping them hit their own goals and mentorship where the people actually have some context awareness of leading technology teams and building products and that sort of stuff 
So mm-hmm. it's we we basically do a matchmaking service between people who are looking for a one to one coach and and the CTOs who are coaching, um, and that's that's one part. And then we do um, something called circles, which are peer groups of ten to twelve people who meet once a month for a guided discussion on topics that they suggest. Um, and again, that's that's more about peer to peer validation having a you know a fixed tribe of people that you form quite close relationships with and um, and it's all very confidential so they they rant about their situations and they offer each other solutions and so on and so forth um, and then apart from apart from all that we also have now launched campus which is our learning platform so this is more education focused. Um, and that's a it's a, a learning community, so it's got lots of social aspects, but um, it's also got a, a large directory of videos and content, and we're slowly but surely adding courses, um, so self-paced things, Udemy style, uh, again with a social element, so you can discuss the topics with other people who are going through the course and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's been out for eight days, and um, <laughs> seems, <laughs> it seems to be going well so far. But it's very very new. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it. Awesome. And you mentioned that you've got a couple of events coming up this year. Uh, and that there's not much time left in this year. <laughs> yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, so, what kind of um, event is that? Is that a conference? Yeah, so we've got a conference coming up on November the 7th um, and 8th, which is focused on culture, engineering culture. Mm-hmm. It's got lots of people talking about um, making sure the culture within their teams supports the development of the, the company, but also the development of the people. Um, we've got uh, Michael Lopp doing a keynote. who runs the Rand's Leadership Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other people, people from Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's a two-day conference in London. Tickets available now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw this morning, I don't think there's much left, is there? Not many, think, not many. So 10%, I think I saw this morning. So yeah, that's, that's good to hear. Um, cool. So I will make sure that in, obviously, the, the notes that we put a link to CTO Craft and... Yeah the campus and everything like that because i've i've had a quick look at the campus and it looks from what i've seen on it so far looks awesome thank you um i'm gonna try and convince my job that part of my budget this year should be allowed to <laughs> to go towards it yeah. <laughs> we'll see what they say um so as someone who deals with a lot of ctos um in your coaching aspect what do you what's your thoughts on the future of CTO leadership and because I think the reason I'm asking that is because like you say with like startups larger style companies and everything I've I've seen in some of the startups that I've looked at and talked to it's kind of blurred almost like not there as a thing Mm. so I don't know if that's just because of the size difference and whatnot but where do you think this CTO leadership in general is going in the future so i'd say one pattern that i've definitely seen uh, over the last 12 months is that um companies are dealing with much less resource you know they have much tighter 
purse strings than they did mm -hmm. 12, 24 months ago, even over the pandemic, mm -hmm. which means, you know, there are redundancies, there are, you know, uh, paused hiring processes, et cetera, et cetera. So people are having to do a bit more with a bit less. Um, but that doesn't stop the amount of innovation, doesn't stop the amount of um, opportunity there is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen people preparing themselves to do more with less. Um, I think in terms of actual innovation, in terms of technologies we'll be looking at, obviously there's the whole, mm -hmm gen ai wave that's uh, washing over everyone i see a lot mm -hmm. of um a lot of people jumping into that and finding ways of improving their business or improving their productivity yeah um, using gen ai uh, i don't see a point where a cto will never have a team of developers to 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 lead i think that's that's probably a long way off if ever coming mm -hmm. but you know fun fundamentally I don't see that change to the implementation of Gen AI as being very different from the implementation of developing for mobile devices or you know developing for the blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. These are waves that come over us and leave us changed, but don't completely upend things. And, um, yeah, they're yeah. just coming a lot quicker and faster. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Used to be decades now, then a few years, now months. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm interested in you as a coach. So, like, what with CTOs um, and what kind of, what are you looking for from someone that you want to coach? Because um, I'm, I'm, I imagine coaches don't just go. Oh, I'll pick it. I'll pick everyone. <laughs> I imagine you no, can be quite quite not. selective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what are you looking for when you're? So, I I specialize. Um, okay. not, not all of the coaches and their at CTO craft do, but I I specialize. Mm -hmm. I tend to focus on people who are struggling with stress and energy levels. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I've I've been through a burnout as a CTO a couple of mm -hmm. times. Okay. Um, and come out the other end. So it is, it is a, a topic that I tend to gravitate towards. Um, in t terms of the people that I, I look to coach, I think it's people who are open to making changes fundamentally. I think that would be true of most coaches. Um, we do get inbound leads for coaching from founders or even investors in some cases where they're kind of imposing it on their on their CTOs. Yeah. Rather than it being an active process for the CTO to go out and try and find support for themselves. Um and you know, we'll we we do work in that way successfully, but it is harder because that CTO doesn't have a, a natural desire to go out looking for change. Mm. Um but yeah, uh, there there are some in the 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 coaching pool um who will take people who are not even in in some kind of challenging situation you know mm -hmm. and they they use them more like a conciliary feedback loop kind of person yeah. rather than actively coaching and changing their behaviors and all that sort of stuff yeah no very interesting so i don't want you to give away all your secrets <laughs> as, but um you mentioned there that you specialize in you know burnout and stress and stuff so it, is there one little bit of nugget we could give to everyone that's like a tech, a technique or something for how to deal with burnout? Cause I see it all the time. It's 
everywhere I work, there's burnout every year, <laughs> especially at this time of year where you're getting close to the end of Christmas and financial years and stuff like that. So Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me was learning that it is so widespread, mm-hmm. you know, because I think a lot of people, when they start to experience that kind of um, disengagement from work and dealing with kind of health problems or, you know, fatigue that comes with being burnt out, they, they kind of assume it's specific to them and it's because they're not good enough mm-hmm. where, where it's, that's not at all the case. It is very, very widespread and it's very, very common, especially among first time CTOs, as I said before. Um, so understanding that, um, and then being a bit more brutal about setting time aside for recovery, mm-hmm. you know, um, and talking to people, talking, talking to your manager, talking to people who are in your, your first team, Lencioni's first team, or speaking to people in your family and just being open about it, being transparent about the fact that it, it is affecting you both at work and at home because it likely is and mm-hmm. um, getting support, going and talking to professionals if you need to, um, but not brushing it under the corner of a rug and, and assuming it's just something that's wrong with you, essentially. It never ends up well if you do that. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree with you there. So in in that in that kind of world of like we say, time, what balance, and just stepping aside. Obviously, with lockdown over and everyone now having years of this hybrid working, full full working. Do you have like a kind of? I, sorry, I'm just calling you out. <laughs> do you, do you have like a stance on that kind of aspect? Because I'm. I'm reading a lot of articles at the moment where there's a lot of companies reverting back to pulling everyone back into the office. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's a an, a wise move or do you, do you think that would change again in a few years? Or I, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all um, solution to that. I think what the pandemic did show us is that it is possible to, to operate a team successfully remotely. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of the problems that I've seen or heard of from people who complained about it is um, trying to make the hybrid style work where you have some people who are in the office all the time and then some people come in a couple of days a week or whatever. I think mm-hmm. that is very difficult to, to get right um, because people, employees have kind of come to expect a level of flexibility and a level of comfort and not having to commute and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And giving some of that up to come in part of the time means they're sacrificing something without gaining something. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is my armchair psychologist coming yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's the case. But I, you know, I've seen companies do the hybrid thing very well. I've seen the whole RTO return to the office thing happen seamlessly. You know, yeah. I think a lot of it depends on the people, depends on the company, depends on the culture. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think, um, CTOs can do, or is it even in their remit, right? To help structure that culture to, for whatever it means, ends up being, whether it's remote, hybrid, whatever, but what part do you think, how much of a part do you think a CTO should have in 
in that. But certainly they should be capable of fighting uh, fighting for that cause. If a team does want to stay completely remote, then they should be capable of articulating to the other people in the company why that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, if it is a problem and they can justifiably see it as a, a problem, having the uh, having the, the guts to tell the team that and say that it's just not possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think there are certain skills around asynchronous working and meeting management and, um, you know, working, working with people who are predominantly remote is not quite as tricky as working with people who are half remote, half not, or sometimes remote, mm-hmm. you know, so that there, there are some specific skills to learn there. But yeah. And 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 I, if, ever, if anyone wants to learn all these skills, they can go to your campus. They can they can go to the campus. <laughs> uh, I'd also definitely recommend the um, the the GitLab book on remote working. Okay. Um, that's a great resource for for how they do it. Obviously, they they are a hundred percent remote. I believe. Mm-hmm. I think um, they've always been remote, haven't they? I think so. I think so. Yeah. So they probably nailed it right down. <laughs> you would hope so. You would hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. Now. Obviously, I could delve into all of the, the pillars that you guys mentioned on the website for what you learn at CTO mm-hmm. Crafts. So I'll just say the four that I think you've got on there, which is like leadership strategy, culture, technology operations, and then like like you said, stress and well-being. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go away, make that list and find people to come on and talk about each of those different aspects. Brilliant. Cool. Um, but I'll point everyone towards it. Um so bef- one thing I like to ask everyone that comes on to the podcast is I've got on the website, I've got a bookshelf mm-hmm. <laughs> and I ask everyone to just recommend one book and caveat, it doesn't have to be related to the subject of tech or anything at all. It can be your favorite childhood book, but the idea is to just put something new on there for people to read and hopefully learn something new. <laughs> Um, do you have a ra- uh, a book recommendation uh, outside of the GitLab one? Because I'll put that one on anyway. <laughs> the, the, honestly, the hard part here is only recommending one. I've oh, got you can some... you can recommend a couple. So I think someone listed off like five the other week, and no, I was like, okay, <laughs> finding them all. <laughs> um, so I definitely recommend Patrick Lencioni, who I mentioned before. Uh, two books of his, um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and The mm-hmm. Advantage. And they're both about interpersonal relationships within leadership teams and culture and the, um, you know, the business benefits of having a good, good culture within your team, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Punished by Rewards is very good by Alfie Cohn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that talks about motivation and how to actually get stuff out of people without it being a, a, a carrot being dangled or a stick being brandished, you know? Mm, um, I definitely have to pick that one up. I've read the Five Dysfunctions of a Successful Team. Brilliant. That was yeah. a, it's a very good. That's the one that's written in a novel style, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Um, so I definitely pick up the other one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say I, I say it to everyone every week, but since starting this, I now have my bookshelves getting too big because <laughs> I have to buy every book just to, and then yeah, um, so. Before you go, I think if you can just 
share everyone where they can find everything online, where you can find you, Seattle Craft, and we'll make sure those links also go into the um, to the show notes. Yeah. Um, so almost everything is on ctocraft.com. That's the first place mm-hmm. to go. You can sign up for the community there. You can find out more about the conference and buy tickets. Uh, you mm-hmm. can find out about campus, et cetera, et cetera. They're all linked to from there. Um, so that that's the place to go. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn as well and on YouTube, a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. Not Twitter. We're not doing Twitter anymore. <laughs> oh, no. Controversial. Well, <laughs> cool. Well, no, I, I appreciate you coming and taking the time. Um, obviously, we met through the Slack channel mm-hmm. um, on CTO Craft. So I am there for anyone that decides to join on there as also. You can say hi. Um, so appreciate you coming on to talk about it. And yeah, hopefully I will be able to come to one of these events very soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just need to find the time. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate it. No worries. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, mate. No worries. Hey, thank you for making it all the way to the end of today's episode. It means the world to me that you've made it this far. I really love making these episodes. I would like to make even more. So please, if you have two minutes to spare, can you just quickly share this podcast on your social media sites or even point it to a guest you think would be great for the show? I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. And until next time, have a great day and I'll see you soon. Bye.